I think it's back to the point I made around not having to strip that part of you. So someone like Rishi should be able to talk about his heritage and not saying that he has to have a preference to help his people of his background, but speak out about it. Be like, this is where I'm from. This is who I am. I'm going to be a bit more upfront about it because England is what it is. It's a very multicultural country these days. We have to be able to see that. I think it's just making sure that people in these positions don't have to feel like they have to be something else or they can't talk about their race or they can't deny that racism exists. I think they can still be themselves and still speak up for minorities and not feel like, oh, if, if I start to sympathise or empathise with people from my background, it's going to put me at a disadvantage. I think they should be empowered to speak up for people from the same background as them. Welcome, fellow traveller, to the Tent Talks podcast, where we fight bad ideas with good ideas. Join Dr. Stephen Backhouse and friends as we pursue the renewing of our theological, social and political imagination. Hello, my name is Shay Martins-Allen and I have been given the wonderful privilege of doing a podcast for Tent Theology. The fact that we have our first Asian Prime Minister in the United Kingdom, this should have impressed me right? In some ways, I really am. The representation is good and I'm happy that children will now see that this is perfectly normal. Despite the fact that politically I'm not really a fan of any of these people, I was still impressed with the diversity. Yet there was also something about it that made me feel a bit uncomfortable. I was confronted with my own reflection almost. I should have felt happy, impressed, a belief that yes, someone who looks like me can be in top positions in government. That's how I was told I should feel anyway. I am fascinated by ethnic minorities in public life, and I personally am a lover of diversity of thought. Ethnic minorities are not one monolithic group, and there is a huge diversity within communities. There is always a freedom of choice. Attempts to group us all into one block don't work, and that is actually where I find common ground with more right-wing ethnic minorities who are sick of people and politicians assuming that they will be left-leaning because of the colour of their skin. Yet for me, many of them go too far and do end up looking a little bit like the poster boy slash girl for more sinister white extremists who want to use them as their poster boy slash girl of their cause if they get the ethnic minority to say they hate immigrants. But then again, is that fair? Some on the left go straight for the claim that they are not really black or not really Asian, which also seems very, very wrong to me. They are black or Asian. They just happen to disagree with other black or Asian people. As someone who likes diversity of thought in principle, I see honestly nothing wrong with that. And so I find myself in the middle, like I do at most times of my life, looking at both sides and wondering how we got here. Is it as simple as those on the left see it? Unrepresentative traitors being used by white people to promote a racist cause? Or is it as the right see it, an emerging force of ethnic minorities sick of the woke ideology and standing up for proper conservative values, which are valid and actually widely held? Often, they're just too scared to say what they think because of the backlash and slurs from lefties. Or is it just not that simple? In this final episode, I talk to two fellow black women about what they think. Both of them have lived in London and both have a very interesting views about whether having our first Asian Prime Minister makes any difference to our lives as black British women at all. So let's have a listen. Claudine is part of a British politics WhatsApp group that I'm also part of, and every time she posts, she makes me laugh. I love her opinions, very strong-minded and very entertaining but I thought I'd take this opportunity to get to know what she really thinks and really get into her head about how she feels as a black woman about having an ethnic minority as the head of this country. So have a listen, see what you think. to go with the 23 <laughs> but it's more like 38 <laughs> I practice as a, I'm a data protection practitioner so in, in the UK most people go what's that um, and then I use it for magic letters GDPR 
<laughs> and it suddenly makes sense. <laughs> so pretty much my role is to make sure the firm is compliant with all those sort of, it's a global firm, so um, I'm a global DPO and it's just making sure that we're compliant with all the various global legislations that are around the world in terms of the practices and stuff that we do. I'm Jamaican by birth. I moved here when I was younger, but sort of moved back to Jamaica in my late teens, early 20s for a while. I lived there, um, but I also lived there when I was a child. And um, my parents were born and grew up there. So I always say, if you cut me, I bleed the Jamaican cars. <laughs> I'm 100% Jamaican. <laughs> Unless I'm in my Nigerian mood and then I'm Oyunye. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I knew you first. Oyunye, I thought you were Nigerian, like 100%. But no, no. Fully Jamaican. I love that. I believe Jamaican. Um, okay, so you were so you were born here and then moved back to Jamaica. You're no, Jamaica. no. Born, born Jamaica. in Jamaica, moved here, then moved back to Jamaica for a while and then moved back. And back. Okay, so you went okay. back, forth, back, forth. So how do you, so you say you bleed Jamaican. So do you see yourself as half Jamaican, half British or all mm. Jamaican just living in Britain? I am Jamaican wherever I go in this world. <laughs> Everywhere I go. I, I don't even leave my house without my Jamaican passport. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And do you do you, you don't have a British passport? I, I have a British passport, but I'm still not leaving my Jamaican passport because like, when you travel in there, when I check into a hotel, I check in with my Jamaican passport. You're gonna know a Jamaican was here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your sort of political leanings. Have are you like? Would you call yourself a floating voter? Would you call yourself someone who is? dedicated to one party over another or do you just you move about depending on who the person in charge is i am dedicated to policies okay cool in terms of the 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 way i would vote politically it's not i tend to vote um in a particular direction based on policies um but it doesn't mean that I don't identify with party um policies from other parties it's just a matter of okay this particular party have policies that I am that are more in line with my beliefs um, and my values and my ethics that will pretty much be what determines my vote but I wouldn't say I'm a definite conservative or definite labor or anywhere in between because it's policies for me yeah I wish everyone voted like that basically just on on policies I I really do (laughs) maybe they are but they just Choosing the policies aligned with their values and their ethics, and it then becomes questionable. <laughs> no, I think people are too tribal in this country. I wish they were less tribal, just more, you know, is this going to work or is it not going to work and go through the policies. But anyway, that's my dream. Okay, so when um, Rishi Sunak became Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, did you think that was an indication of how far the UK had come in terms of racial relations? And then, you know, this is quite an important milestone. Or did you think, actually this doesn't tell us anything um or were you somewhere in the middle like maybe a bit of this bit of that so I do believe it it gives an indication to how far we've come with race in this country um no it tells the whole picture by no means to tell the whole picture because if I take Rishi's background into consideration in terms of education financial status economic standing etc etc you would still put him within the category of the elite in this country Let's just be honest. However, on a personal level, it was it is just nice to see an ethnic minority in that position. Doesn't mean I support his party or his policies. Um, so in one sense, I really wish it was someone that I could a hundred percent get behind in and celebrate that we have this person there. So part of me celebrated that yes, there's an ethnic minority in the in in, in that seat or in the office. But then a part of me just kind of went, the policies are questionable. However, I did actually acknowledge of all the ethnic minorities in the Conservative Party, he is probably my favourite. <laughs> Given that the stands of, you know, Suella and the others and how the, the kind of language and rhetoric they use when they even speak of, of immigrants. Um, in terms of Rishi and how he's positioned himself, he doesn't use certain rhetorics when he describes others besides the reverse what I call the reverse Robin Hood moment <laughs> um, but again I'm not surprised he, he it's his background so I'm not exactly surprised at the statement but he didn't throw immigrants on the bus <laughs> that's true out of interest how did you feel when Obama became president 
Did you think that was more monumental? I d- definitely feel it was more monumental. And I also, US policy is quite different. I don't also think race relation in the US, and I will caveat that with the statement that I've seen over the years, which I really love, is America is the birth child of Britain. <laughs> so whenever we think of race and racism and racial issues in America, I always caveat it with Britain is the mother um, of that <laughs> child. So although it's, um, I did feel like it's much more of a monumental moment, probably because there's a lot more black people in the US, if I use the word black or ethnic minorities, depending on people feel comfortable with different words. Uh, When you say Britain is the mother, what do you mean by that? That's an interesting statement. As in it birthed America and all its race problems. (laughs) That's interesting because a lot of British people see themselves as better than America. We're constantly comparing ourselves and going, basically, them over there, they're terrible. They had slaves on their land. They have awful race relations. They have things like George Floyd. They're awful. We're not as bad. I feel like a lot of British people console themselves as to thinking we're not as bad as them. And that's the reality that they do see themselves that way. However, the, the slaves in the US didn't just magically get there. The US wasn't um, a fully independent state during slavery. In fact, US became an independent state um, near the end of, towards the end of slavery. And people always compare. So I'll, I always use one statistic that I found out, and I doubt it has changed, many, many years ago. When people, when people talk about the prison to the, the school to pipeline, school to prison pipeline in the US, that's the word I'm looking for, the statement I'm looking for. Most people are surprised to know that the UK, imprison a higher percentage of the black male population than the US. Fair enough. In terms of ratio, ratios, yeah, in terms of how many people we have. Exactly. It's only because the US is, the numbers are so much bigger in the US. So, you know, when you speak of the numbers, the numbers are bigger. But population-wise and percentage-wise, it's very, it's higher in the UK. We just don't talk about it. And I always say the the UK is more of an overt situation. (laughs) And the US, the US is out and loud, we're racist here, here we are. <laughs> the UK, we're more like, we have to be seen to be polite and kind and nice. But if you look at the policies and the politicians that we support, we're not any better. Yeah, that's really interesting. So do you think, I've had a couple of people say to me that if Rishi Sunak had been directly voted for by the people of the United Kingdom, they would have seen that as more monumental. And maybe that's Perhaps why some of them thought Obama is more monumental, but they didn't see it as monumental because he wasn't directly voted for by the people. It was just the Conservative Party members. So therefore, they were a bit like, well, you know, it wasn't quite what what people are making it to be. It's not quite as monumental at the moment. What do you think? It, it is a valid argument. However, if I look at the candidates within the party, but once again, it, I guess if the people had voted, it would really go, it would really tell the story of the populace. However, if I look at the candidates within the Conservative Party, I honestly believe he's the best candidate. Fine, yeah. And so, yes, it would tell a very, very different story if the population had voted and depending on whether the votes went yes to issue or no, because I'm going to be honest, he was the best candidate. I yeah. Mean, but, yeah. I was going to go back as far as saying from when they had, from when Boris left. So you're a black woman. I'm a black woman. When you saw someone like Kemi Badenoch, I mean, very, very close to nearly becoming prime minister. Um, what were your thoughts? Because she's the one who looks most like us. So the, no. the narrative, the, na- <laughs> no. the narrative, definitely no. <laughs> but the narrative would go that because she looks like us, uh, for me, even she's you know married to a, a white man. She has mixed race children, similar, very similar to me, same as me. Um, we should have something in common. Yeah, she's representing me because she looks like me. Funnily enough, in but in my case, it's, it's that's not the case. But <laughs> that's well. How did you, so? How did you feel? Kimmy does not represent me at all. Okay. Besides the fact that we share the we share a similar skin hue, we might share melanin, but that's as far as it goes with Kimmy. It's 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 disappointing for me to say. I feel pretty much the same about probably 90%, if not higher, of the politicians, of the ethnic minority politicians within the Conservative Party. Yeah, fair enough. Besides the fact that we're sharing some similarities in pigmentation, that is as far as it goes. 
their their language, the way they view immigrants. I mean, can they support the report that says the that racism racism is in the racism does not no longer exist in the UK? And it's a she actually said the UK is the best place for black people. <laughs> the best place of all the countries on this planet. She really believes the best place is she looks at the best place in Europe. <laughs> I mean, I could probably then even more align with her sentence, given the diversity of the of London, etc., compared to other European countries and, and cities. But yeah, the best place in the whole world. I actually thought Canada was super good. When I went to Toronto, I was actually really impressed with the diversity in Toronto. Now, I'm sure that I saw probably like a glimpse and I'm sure Canadians would probably tell me, no, 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 you don't know what you're talking about. It's not, it's not that good. But I was genuinely, and this is from someone, I've been in London in my entire life, um, but I was really impressed with Toronto. I thought it was genuinely more mixed. I saw, you know, groups of people, groups of friends. I thought it was better. So yeah, I'd say maybe Canada has a few points up on on us just and probably other countries also <laughs> but that that's a point <laughs> that is a valid point so to come out and say the uk is the best place on earth for black people is um i am actually going into the statement is laughable yeah so interestingly so you mentioned like rishi sunak's status and do you think class has a has a part to play in this i.e a lot of these ethnic minorities are from quite wealthy backgrounds. Uh, Kwasi Kwarteng went to Eton. Um, Rishi Sunak is, you know, married to a billionaire. I mean, they're quite wealthy, high-profile individuals. So do you think actually in this country, when you're of a certain class, the race thing just disappears, it goes away, or people see you very differently? Do you think that might be a, an argument? In the UK, I think everything is class. Okay. And I think that would be one of the very distinction between the US and the UK. Whereas you can say the, the US is race is very prominent in the UK, class is very prominent. So it's almost like you're not one of them. It's that kind of statement. You're not one of them. So we'll accept you. You're in our, you can, you're welcome in our inner circle because you're not one of them. But the reality is the minute anything kind of goes wrong, we'll see we'll quasi quatang. You're the first person to get thrown under the bus because you're still. You're still one of them when it suits them. So, but class in, in, in the UK does erode a lot of barriers. Yes, it does. So when you heard about the um, incident with Rupa Huck, so we were just talking about Kwasi Kwarte, Rupa Huck, the, actually, she's, I think she's my MP, she's the Ealing MP, um, who said that Kwasi Kwarte wasn't authentically Black. So he wasn't probably black. What do you think of that? Because that's the argument from people like Kemi Bajnok and Kwasi Kwarteng that you see when we when we're ethnic minorities with right wing views, people will not accept us as being properly black or race, which in turn is racist because not all black people have the same political views. We are not one monolithic group. What is the problem with us being right wing? So what did you think of Rupert's comments? I don't agree with the point that we all need to have the same political opinions i mean even if you go to jamaica everybody you know it's everyone has their political views in every country that you go to so not because we're living in a foreign country and um, to me england's a foreign country not because i'm living somewhere in the west or in the us that we should now all have the same political stance and we all have vote the same way because we all think differently we all have different life experiences but do I understand where she's coming from is a different question. Okay, that's interesting. Where do you um, where she's coming from? And I go back to the point of I have nothing in common. And it's not even nothing in common, but it's the way and the rhetoric and the language used by a lot of the people within the Conservative Party when it comes to their views on immigrants. And that's the view that I, that, that's a, for me, is a point that I, I took out of that is they will throw immigrants under the bus as if to say they themselves or their parents were not an immigrant of this country. And that's one of my fundamental issues with a lot of the ethnic minorities in the Conservative Party is the way they speak of immigrants to say they're not one of them. Because um, no, I actually hate the word immigrant simply because we have immigrants and expats and expats is normally used in one racial context and immigrants is used in another. So I also tend to have a negative feeling towards word immigrants, given how we use it. So, so for me, that was more, if you weren't throwing immigrants under the bus, people could not say that about you. 
fair enough. And so this is this is the conclusion I've sort of come to. I think that someone like Suella Braverman must see herself as a different type of immigrant. So this is the only way I can sort of contextualize it or find a logical way through it, because I feel the same way. I'm a child of immigrants. If there weren't certain liberal uh, immigration laws at the time, i.e. the ability to come to this country, study, work, get a job, therefore get a British passport, if that pathway was not available, I wouldn't be here. However, I feel like Suella sees that pathway, as in people who actually have the money, because that meant that my grandparents had money, essentially, to be able to pay for my parents to study in the UK and therefore get the work of the British passport. That unless you can do it that way, that's a legitimate type of immigrant, a bit like the deserving poor versus the undeserving poor. However, these small boat people that she keeps going on about are the undeserving immigrants that she needs to get rid of. However, Funnily enough, she was caught yesterday um, in a committee basically admitting that there's no actual way of someone applying for asylum unless they come here illegally. Which, I mean, I really would have thought that the Home Secretary of this country would know that. Um, (laughs) Apparently, you know, it really took a long time to get it out of her. But the only way I can understand her thinking is that she doesn't see herself as that type of immigrant. Do you think that's fair or am I barking up the wrong tree? I don't think any of them see themselves as that type of immigrant in quotation marks because there is absolutely no way you can empathise with one plight and speak in the way you do or you have to separate, you have to have some sort of mechanism to separate yourself from them, whether it be you're separating yourself based on class and status and wealth, which is probably what they're doing um, in order to say or treat people in a particular way. It's us versus them. I'm going to say it. A part of it feels like it's a pe- it's almost like appealing to your white conservative friends. I'm not like them in what I would probably use in colloquial terms, appealing to massa. Okay, yeah. But that's yeah. how I view it. But they argue they argue that they are just genuinely that conservative, that those are their views, they are very right-wing, and that they don't understand why people on the left cannot accept that they are truly very, very conservative. Partly because, to my mind, I expect, I mean, I have one Nigerian parent, one Ghanaian parent, I expect most people in my parents' generation to be very socially conservative. All of my parents' friends would be very social. So I can see why they identify with all of the social conservatism of the Conservative Party. So that doesn't surprise me at all. The economic stuff, bit more spread. You know, that's a, it depends on the person. But they do complain about this a lot on, on the right wing, that they're not a puppet. They're not trying to impress their white friends. There's actually loads of them. And they are just genuinely conservative. What, what, what do you say? There is nothing stopping you from being completely and utterly conservative and treating everyone like a human being with deserving respect. Absolutely nothing. To sit there and say you dream off a plain, a newspaper front page with a plain load of people going off to another country, it's ludicrous. Yeah. It's, it's, it's beyond saying you're right-wing or conservative in your social views. We can all be. I have... Um, which is why I say I, I vote on policies, because I have views that I think are very, very conservative and completely aligned with the Conservative Party, because as a Jamaican, <laughs> we are also conservative with certain things. And, you know, by what the rest of the world thinks, <laughs> um, we do have certain, you know, a certain part of a population that's very conservative, raised with my, uh, especially my grandparents, in, in that conservative view. And so it's not like I don't hold certain conservative views. It still doesn't mean that I am going to look down and degrade and demean others simply because they don't have money, status or wealth. That is not how you're supposed to treat human beings at all. No matter what political standing you have, whether you're very left or extreme right, it doesn't give anyone permission to dismiss people within their plight, to dismiss people within their struggles and to treat them as if they're less than. Yeah. A very, very valid point. And I wanted to ask you as well, before I go to the last question, as Windrush, so how, as someone who's Jamaican, how did you feel that the whole Windrush thing was handled in this country? Because I feel like that was actually 
a seriously monumental moment for race relations in the UK. When it dawned on, I'm sure people, you know, from the Windrush generation knew this had been going on for ages, but it suddenly dropped into sort of mainstream media and, and kind of uh, cost a later cost the Home Secretary at the time her job and all that kind of stuff. It became a huge thing. What did you think? Did the Home Secretary deserve to lose her job? Yes. Um, were the policies deliberate? I believe they were. However, I do think there is how it was handled and there's an entire scandal itself. A part of it, I would say, this is against popular opinion and um, within my community, I'm, I'm sure. But I also think a part of it, we as people need to take responsibility. If we look at it and I will say, if you look at the amount of people that were, yes, it was mainly Caribbean migrants um, that came during that time anyway. But one of the things that I really took out of that is how many people came to the UK and did not return home. They didn't have a passport because they didn't return home. If you had to turn your back on your motherland, in, in, in my view, in your homeland, you would have had a valid passport. You would have been traveling. You would have been going home. And at some point in time, when the rules changed, you would have then been changing and updating because you were going to your homeland. You didn't do that. You turned your back on your homeland and therefore you didn't even realize you didn't have a valid passport. So there is that. And if you did, if you move to a foreign country and decide never to go home, never to look back for whatever reason, you have to take that responsibility. Okay. Not a popular opinion. But, <laughs> but for me, it's one of the things I'm like, a lot of Nigerians are Ghanaians in up in this because they're all all the Ghanaians and Nigerians and they're always going home. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. They're always going home. Right? Yeah. We've got to visit home. Yeah. We have to see auntie. We have to see grandma. We have to see mom. Yeah. Back you turned your back on your homeland. And that was part of the problem. Because if you didn't turn your back on your homeland, you would have a valid passport. Yeah, that was what they did. And what did you think the British government did? Take the ownership. Where are the problem? Take that. However, in terms of the policies that were what were implemented. The, the handling of it, the fact that they knew, for me, the, you know, the fact that they knew that what they were doing would would result in, in, in a lot of people being in the situation, it goes to show that it was a deliberate part on the government to negatively impact this set of people. And they just didn't care. And so in terms of race relation, it just, to me, put at the forefront what the British people really do think they're better than America, but put it at the forefront that actually you're not. You were just as bad and you want to pretend, oh, we're polite, we're nice, we treat everyone equally. No, you don't. Here's your practices, here's your policies that say, you knew this was going to happen. You didn't care, you did it anyway. What do you prefer? <clears throat> do you prefer the kind of outright racism or do you prefer the polite one? <laughs> oh, well, just, just tell me you hate me and let's just get on with this. <laughs> let's just <laughs> I know where I stand. You know where you stand. I don't need to smile at you. You don't need to smile at me. And we can just move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, just... <laughs> it makes sense. Okay, so my last question is, if if this government in its current form with all of these ethnic minorities, more ethnic minorities than we've kind of ever had before in high profile positions, if all of this doesn't make you feel as a Black woman in Britain represented, what would make you feel represented you know what it's not even who is in government it's it's not that yes we like to see representation in all forms within the government within corporate entities etc it's not about the color of the skin of the person that holds that seat it's about the policies we have in place and i am going to say and, and i've said it a lot in this conversation but the rhetorics around immigrants that is a huge thing. And it's because we see it and we hear it all the time. It's one of the things that's constantly in the media. Um, so, of course, that influences the conversation around the minorities in this country. Because you see it. You hear the rhetoric. We see the newspaper um, headlines. Um, we see, we hear the interviews with Little Johnny from Liverpool. Um, <laughs> who, who Poor Johnny. To, um, <laughs> who can you know who's gonna who's worried about the, the jobs that are going and little johnny who did not graduate from high school but worried about the consultants and the nhs taking his job <laughs> so we see it so there is that conversation and i'm not sure if the uk is anywhere near moving 
from that conversation where it's not dominating the headlines constantly, um, speaking of immigrants in such a negative way. So there is that. And then there's also the, the workplace, the, the, the rep- representation in the workplace, the, the ease at which people are hired, promoted, as, as we say, given their flowers. For me, the workplace is a lot because that comes with the economic empowerment. And without the economic empowerment, we can't develop and build our own communities or improve our communities. It's not that we're trying to say we want to have a secluded Black community or a secluded Asian community. It's just the opportunity to provide a better life for our children, grandchildren for years to come. And without that economic empowerment, which tends to come through the either you starting your own company, having the same access to funding or getting that job, having the same access to work, getting the, having the same opportunities for promotion, etc. And that discrimination going out the window, which once again, I'm not sure how close we are to it. So it's not just that, because even as I said, with Rishi in power today does not change the day-to-day experience of the person walking on the streets or trying to get a, get a job tomorrow. It doesn't change. Yeah, fair enough. That's a good point. Yeah. So unless it's not changing the essence of society, is it? It's not getting yeah. the necessity. And, and that, for me, is what we really need to change for me to feel comfortable and at home in this country. Otherwise, I don't see how I can if knowing that my work is twice as hard, getting that job is twice as hard, or my promotion is twice as hard, or I still have to deal with certain conversations when I walk down the road or walk into certain places. You walk into a store and people are still looking at you like, can you afford the shoe? You know? Yeah. Which is really interesting because I feel like that's a really interesting difference in America. When I go shopping in America, I could be wearing my tracksuit bottoms because of their customer service stuff. It, it does, they could, they think, oh, she could be rich. She could be. And then as soon as I open my mouth and they realise I'm British, oh, well, she definitely could be rich. So, but it's, so it's, but it, the way that they see it is anyone who comes in could potentially be rich you don't know because there's a lot of like techie bros and people especially in san francisco there's lots of techie bros wearing you know i mean they, they look ho- homeless walking into some of these shops so they might be billionaires but in this country i have to be dressed in a certain way if i'm dressed as if i'm like going to work and i walk into jimmy Choo, they're like oh great you might be buying something um especially because maybe it's black women in shoes. They genuinely believe that it could be, it, I might be about to drop some <laughs> cash. Uh, it's true, that has happened before. But um, I have to just be dressed. I feel like I have to be dressed this that way. Well, there's one or two times where I've walked in in like my, you know, dodgy active wear and they're looking at me like, are you really, are you meant to be here type thing? But then as soon as I open my mouth, changes. So it completely, it, it, everything completely changes when I open my mouth because I speak in a certain way. And so therefore they think, oh, okay, again, might be able to afford it. But it's so much more class-based in this country than in America where it's just same customer service for everyone because you you might be a secret billionaire. So I need to just make sure that you, <laughs> just in case, <laughs> just in case, I'll make sure I treat you nicely, just in case. But, yeah. um, there, there is a lot of that. I mean, I, I remember walking into a store and the woman, I asked for a pair of shoes and she literally took it upon herself to tell me that's a more expensive shoe in the store, as if I had asked. <laughs> I didn't even ask you for the price. I could be Oprah, for all you know. you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so those things aren't going to change because we have a Black woman as a prime minister or an Asian man as a prime minister. And they're not going to change tomorrow. I'm not saying we're not on a road towards change because I think, you know, over the years, since I've moved here, you know, I have seen a transition. And I always say, even with the very food that we now have on the high street and the taste of said food, I remember when I moved here in 97, don't try and get me to go and eat at an English restaurant on the high street. It was not going to happen. I just, to me, this was not food. It was not edible and I am not having it. Now, thanks to lovely immigration um, from various parts of the world, including lots of Eastern Europeans who know how to season food <laughs> and use fresh vegetables. <laughs> this is the best conversation. 
quality of the food on the high street is significantly improved. I don't care. I don't know where in the world immigration isn't really beneficial for an environment based on just bringing different what's the word you know diversity diversity of thought diversity of you know diversity in any sense is really good for any community because what's the fun in all of us going to the same school having this you know having the same background the same experience like there's no enrichment in that of a friend who I've always respected and always had great conversations with. As a fellow black woman, I thought it would be a really good chance to find out what she thought about having an ethnic minority prime minister. She lives in a different part of London to me. Everybody who lives in different parts of London feels very, very far away because I am the most West London person ever. But I thought, let's ask someone from a different part of London what they think. Have a listen. Kuna, I'll say it the Shona way. I work in compliance for a bank. I, it's currently a tech kind of bank, uh, and I've been doing that for over 10 years now. I initially studied law, but fell into banking compliance. So I was born in Zimbabwe, um, in the capital Harare. I came here to England when I was six. So my mum had actually qualified as a nurse in England, like before I was born came back to Zimbabwe when we got our independence from England, obviously. Uh, and then um, after that, she had me in the 80s, late 80s. After that, obviously, things were kind of going on a downwards trajectory. So she decided to come back to England. And I've been here ever since. So that was 1993 when I came here. Ah, okay. So do you see yourself as British, as Zimbabwean, half British, half Zimbabwean? How do you, how do you see yourself? Um, I would say I would see myself as a bit of both. I think I've been here for a very long time, for the majority of my life. I grew up here. Obviously, my accent and my friends and upbringing, it was all here. However, culturally, I think I'm still, there's, I've still got a lot of ties to Zimbabwe. I go back, I've still got relatives there, quite a lot of relatives there still, but my relatives are kind of scattered all over the place. Yeah, I think a lot of cultural aspects of my life, I still tie to my Zimbabwean background, but obviously I was raised here and I'm, I still view myself as a Brit, so I'm a bit of both. In, in terms of your political leanings, you don't have to be explicit, but where do you kind of lie? Do you think you set yourself as in the middle, a bit to the right, a bit to the left, far right, far left? How would you see yourself I would say I'm more left-leaning. However, I, when it comes to voting, it's been I'm one of those tactical voters. So I've usually the last few vote the last few times we've voted, I've voted Lib Dems, but that's specifically because of the area I'm in because Labour don't have a chance here, unfortunately. However, if I were to live, I am actually in, in the process of moving to London, back to London, so I'll probably vote Labour once I'm back there. Um, but I would say yeah, I'm more on on the left. But I'm open-minded, but I am a lefty and I'm a Labour at heart, but I will vote tactically for Lib Dems if required. (laughs) Great. Okay, so when you saw Rishi Sunak became Prime Minister, did you feel like that was an indication of how far we've come in terms of the UK race relations? Or did you not think that was actually a signal of how far we've come? What, What did you think? That's a good question. I actually thought... Because it wasn't a actual, like that we weren't voting. So that's why I don't think we've actually come that far. If it was a vote and people knew he was the leader, that for me, and, and people actually voted him in, that would have been progress for me because conservative, very traditional conservative voters voting for, uh, well, he, he is British, but an Indian heritage British prime minister would have been very, very progressive. However, it was someone who was sort of voted in by the actual conservatives themselves. Also, it's a person who, in my view, hasn't explicitly talked to, well, I don't know, maybe I don't, haven't seen enough of his interviews, but he hasn't really gone into depth about his um, heritage that much. I feel he is kind of lent more on talking about his British heritage and how he was born here. And he went to these wonderful independent schools. And, you know, I haven't seen him really kind of not stick up for his people, but just really kind of 
not like Obama, you know, he, he wasn't really um, pressing on the fact about his heritage and wanting to help people from his similar background and things like that. So I think the next election will be interesting if he's still PM. Yeah, I had someone describe it to me. I thought it was a really interesting way of phrasing it, where he said, and he was Asian, and he said, and came from a similar, very similar background to Rishi Sunak, but he said he actually felt more represented by someone like Barack Obama because of the way that Barack Obama wears his race, as in he felt like he was actually doing, so he would talk about it, said something about it, so he actually felt more represented by that, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, um, I, I you, agree. Did you ever think, like, because how old are you? Are you the same age as me? I am, thir- I have to think about it, I'm 35. <laughs> 35, yeah, I'm about to turn 35. Okay, so we're about the same age. Did you ever think when we were kids that we, that there would be, there would even be a brown prime minister? Did you even think that was possible? Because I mean, no. you have been voted in by, you know, at the very least, you've been voted in by a very, very conservative constituency. In fact, most of ethnic minority conservatives kind of catapulted into very safe conservative seats, which happen to be very, very white, actually. So at the very least, you have been voted in by then and a lot of conservative party members. So I'm just wondering whether you ever thought that you would see that when you were a kid, because we're about the same age. No, no, never. Beyond my wildest dreams. Um, Yeah, I would never have thought that. I always, looking at the history of England and then looking at how things were when I was younger, I would never have dreamt. I think that the most I would have dreamt of is having another female prime minister, which we've had. Um, But I never thought that, you know, brown people would be PM. So it is positive for that, like that side of things. Um, but I'm still not thinking that we're being progressive in any way at the moment. Yeah, because vo- actually voting directly for him matters to mm, you. Okay, exactly. So, yeah. So what are your thoughts on someone like Kemi Badenoch, who looks the most like you and me, right? She's female. She's black. She's she's super, super like me. She's married to a, a white man, has mixed race children, exactly like me. And yet I, I have I have some issues. Yeah, so I find her quite problematic in some ways, actually. But at the same time, it's a weird uh, thing of like sort of looking in a mirror, weirdly. Mm. So on the one hand, I'm like, oh, I, you know, there is literally someone who looks like me and kind of models my lifestyle right, right there, right there. I can, I can see it. And yet, I disagree with ninety seven percent of what she says. So, how do you feel about it? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the same. I, I'm the same. It's like looking in a mirror. However, the, the in terms of our minds and, and the way we think about our race is completely different. I think in a in people like Kemi or Rishi, Pretty Patel, all of that, I feel an element of it is having to kind of strip your identity, your racial identity, and trying to say things which cater towards more um, right-wing white voters. So saying, you know, racism doesn't exist or, you know, let's get people out of the, let's get immigrants out of the country. Things that will pander to that, that those sorts of people is what works. It doesn't matter what race you are, but as long as you can say the right, right things, then I think that's what works. But then in, at the same time, for me, that that doesn't, that's not a person who's got the same values of other people of my colour. You're not looking out for people who are from the same background or who are from the same heritage as me. You're sort of pandering to people who are the complete opposite, who kind of want the opposite, you know, they don't, they want less immigration and things like that. In the, uh, yeah, in the Conservative Party itself, there is no one I really identify with and say, yes, you know, I'd love to see someone like you, someone who's of colour, who can represent our people. I, I know they have to represent the whole country, but still be able to be a badge-wearing brown person or black person like Obama was and really identify with their race. I think that's something that's missing with the people of colour. So this is what I find fascinating. And their argument would be, so I'm playing devil's advocate here, their argument would be that actually you making that comment or me saying that I find their views problematic is actually being racist. Because what we're saying is that because they're black, they have to think the same way as us which is not true. Like they ha- they are perfectly entitled to genuinely believe that there should be less immigration or believe that actually if you're poor, you might just be a bit lazy, regardless of like you're, you're right. Yeah, they, they say that is a genuinely held belief and it's just because they're brown or black, they shouldn't be forced into, or you shouldn't assume that they vote in a certain way or think, you know, all of the same thing, thinking. And then they would also argue that comments that Rupert Huck made about Kwasi Kwarteng not being black enough 
and they're not being authentically black, I think was the the phrase that she was used, was is pretty bad. I, to be fair, and I thought that was pretty bad. So, same, same. Why did you why did you have a problem with that? I think if it's for me, it's a principles thing. So say I, I was to become PM for whatever crazy reason, I want to for someone like me, it would be very strange of me to say, well, immigration is not my thing because I'm, you know, a pro- I am an immigrant, firstly, but say I've been born in England. I'm also a product of immigration. So you're literally stopping the thing that got you here. So are you saying you're better than um, you're better than someone who's in the same situation as you. That's that's why I always think principle-wide. I mean, it's not to say that if you're an immigrant, I suppose as an immigrant, you can still not agree with it, but I still think you have to see the other side of it. Like it is a good thing and that it can produce, like you can grow our economy, the workforce, et cetera. But in terms of the, the comment about not being authentically black, black enough about our ex-chancellor, um, I don't agree with that personally. And that's something I've actually encountered before where people say, oh, you don't speak a certain way. So are, are you? how can you not have been born here and things like that? I don't like this whole, we must, if we're black, we must stick to a certain stereotype. Because that doesn't really, that just kind of leaves us in this little pigeonhole where we can't grow. We can't be wealthy if we want to be, or if you're lucky enough to be, we can't have jobs in the in parliament. We can't speak a certain way, dress a certain way. It's, it's, it's actually not, letting uh, black people grow when people say he's not authentically black it's it's a bit like well what do you mean by that unless unless it's meant okay he's not looking out for his own people or he's not representing his own people but then be more specific don't just say because he's not a certain way he's not black because I don't agree with that and for me that's a form of racism because it's stereotyping isn't it so you're just saying people must be a certain way because of their skin color which is something I don't agree with yeah, and I think the thing with Suella Braverman is that she, I've really struggled with this, is in how can you, as a child of immigrants, be so hostile towards immigrants? Because for me, I've always made the direct link that I wouldn't, I simply wouldn't be British or be here in this country had there not been a certain liberalisation of immigrant rules at the time that allowed my parents to study, work here, get a visa, and then therefore get permanent residency and then therefore become British citizens, right? But I think that the only explanation for it can can be, and this is where I'm I'm going to ask the right-wingers, is that that there must be two types of immigrants. Deserving, a bit like you have the deserving poor and the undeserving poor. There are people who who are the Conservative Party is poor who are deserving because they've got an actual, you know, illness. And then there's the undeserving poor who are feckless and lazy. Like, it's very demarcated. So there must be the deserving immigrant, like her and her family. They were, they came the right way. They used the legal routes. They're the deserving immigrants, and she likes those people. And then the undeserving immigrants, i.e. the illegals coming on the boats, the, you know, all of the... And that's who I think she's trying to frame it as, I'm tackling those, those people. And whereas you and I know it's a bit more nuanced, it's uh, it's a bit more complicated than that, but she wants to make it a very binary choice between bad immigrants, good immigrants, immigrants, bad immigrants like me, which is quite problematic. So do you think that ethnic minorities like you and me can be truly right-wing conservatives? Is Do you think that's a valid sort of political view? And do you have any in your family and how do you, what do you say to them? Is that a lively conversation? Actually, weirdly enough, I don't really think I know any, well, I don't know if there is someone in my family who is right wing, they haven't told me about it. Um, But I think you can be, and this is, I had this argument with someone the other day because I was saying, well, that person's black, how can black people wouldn't vote right wing or they wouldn't vote for for conservatives? And I I was like, but why? Like they can if they want to. And I think, because I I am Labour, I vote, I'm more left leaning, but I do know people who vote conservative, not because they want immigrants out but just for the good of the economy and the currency and money and making sure that you know Britain's in a good place so I feel that people who are immigrants they've come here they want to be in a country where they feel that you know there's good things happening here so and that's kind of like the conservative message isn't it so Britain and making it strong and powerful economy's great all of that of course, like a, a black person can vote for that or, or or want to vote for conservatives because of those things. But it's 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 more of a nuanced conversation when you look into the other things like immigration and all of that. That's when it becomes a bit murky. 
Yeah. Do you think there's a problem on the left with on the left wing politics in general of people who just can't accept whether they're white or black actually just can't accept that there are you know ethnic minorities like Suella Braverman, Quasi Quateng, Rishi Sunak who are actually genuinely just very right wing. Because for example, for me, it's not that surprising because I have a lot of Nigerians and Ghanaians who are very in my family who are very socially conservative. So actually, on all the social stuff. You know, on gay marriage, abortion, uh, you know, trans rights, all of that kind of stuff. They would be very, very conservative on that. Yeah, on yeah. marriage. Or they, they, they totally ally with the Conservative Party. They are not progressive in that way at all. So it doesn't surprise me in on that section. In that section, the economy, the economy, different. Yeah. You can, there's some flexibility there. Um, but I think for people on the left, I feel like there are some people, some lefties I've met who genuinely find that really difficult. Uh, they feel like find that difficult to understand, partly because I think they think they fought for black people to have certain rights that they did not have under conservatives. They don't understand why they wouldn't fight for rights of other people, other minorities as they see mm-hmm. it. But it, again, it's a bit more nuanced, a bit more complicated exactly and it's it's a good point about the socially conservative point you made because um, another thing about the african community a lot of them are from religious backgrounds so things like marriage is important they're not going to agree with um, abortion or homosexuality or not saying everyone's like that but those are quite you know there, there are people who are very strongly principled when it comes to christianity so they are going to be more socially conservative and they might vote that way that's that's another thing that people have to think about as well so yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point and what do you think when you hear someone like Kerry Badnock say or make the argument that look we've really progressed in this country racism is just not as big a thing anymore uh, if you're black and you want to progress in this country you can there are no barriers except the way you think about it just crack on get on stop you know blathering on about racist this racist that that I don't want to do critical race theory it's all a load of nonsense it's holding people back to make you think that you know you can't do and actually you can look at me I'm here that type of thing when you hear that kind of thing especially as a black woman who is successful so you're exactly who she's talking about she's saying you did you did fine so what's the problem I think, again, another nuanced conversation. Yes, okay, um, when I talked to my mum about when she first came here, racism was in your face. It's, you know, there's doors which say no blacks, no dogs, no Irish. And that was like a very common practice and people just got on with it. And even when I came to the country, um, I came the year that Stephen Lawrence was murdered. So again, like racism was very, was at the forefront. Um, And I don't think things are like that. They're not as outright in your face as they were back then. However, another thing we're struggling or I find I struggle with is more around unconscious bias. So, yeah, people might not be as, you know, I hate black people or, you know, they might not be as as upfront with their racism as as it might have been back in the day. But um, it's still there and there is still a little a little bit of unconscious bias here and there. I still find that I still have to if I'm in a professional space, I kind of tailor myself to be a certain way because or if I'm if I meet someone, I try not to be. I don't know. I I do kind of temper myself a bit in a professional environment because I always think there's the stereotype of black people. You know, and it, it can be negative, and it's kind of just making sure that I I can get into I can fit into these professional environments without being judged or without people feeling negative about me or things like that. So I think. There are, and especially with the older generation, I think there are still some kind of, there is some unconscious bias and old judgments which still fester. It's just that people don't talk about it as much or they talk about it when they're at home privately. So I think that's unfair. And if we look at numbers, especially in the financial sector where I work in, if we look at numbers uh, around CEOs who are black in in big banks, there's barely any, there isn't really much. Every organisation I've worked for there's always conversations around social mobility and things like that because we are still seeing in these industries that there isn't much black representation when you look at the top. Do you think that should mirror exactly the population? So say there's 10%, so 10% of the population is black. I don't think it is, I think it's less than that actually. Would you therefore think, okay, true representation would be 10%? Are we talking about that or what does it look like? 
Yeah, I think there's one another thing which we've been talking about. So one in lots of organisations I've worked with, they do do that whole, that's, this is the percentage of black people in this country, this is the percentage we have here, blah, 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 and try and kind of do the numbers that way. But another thing to look at is, especially in African communities, we're pushed to go to uni, we're pushed to do well at school and get a good job and all of that. I think I still think we've got a long way to go to show that there's so many educated black people in this country, but it's not really reflecting. Even if we look at like, not that I love these people, but Elon Musk and um, Jeff Bezos and all those billionaires you're used to hearing about. I mean, apart from Oprah or something, I don't really know many black billionaires. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's like reflecting that, you know, we are, we, we should be kind of in, in these circles as well, because there's so many of us who are educated, smart, and that we can do these jobs as well. It's just, we're not, we're not really, it's not, it's not truly reflective yet. I think we've got quite a long way to go with that. Yes. And my last question, my very important question to wrap this all up is, what would, if representation of, you know, ethnic minorities in public life doesn't look like this, you know, which is quite a lot, to be honest, of um, people who are ethnic minorities in top political positions, what would it look like? What would true representation look like to you in political life in this country? As in, like, what would, a like, someone who I think would truly represent ethnic minorities in yeah. a powerful position? Be, or, or, yeah, because if you're saying that what we have now doesn't really mm. look like it, even with a home office minister is Asian and our prime minister is Asian and we had a chancellor who was black and we have a trade secretary who's black and stuff. If that doesn't feel like representative to you, what would feel representative to you? I think it's back to the point I made around not having to strip that part of you. So someone like Rishi should be able to talk about his heritage and not saying that he has to have a preference to help his people of his background, but speak out about it. Be like, this is where I'm from. This is who I am. I'm going to be a bit more upfront about it because England is what it is. It's a very multicultural country these days. We have to be able to see that. I think it's just making sure that people in these positions don't have to feel like they have to be something else or they can't talk about their race or they can't deny that racism exists. I think they can still be themselves and still speak up for minorities and not feel like, oh, if, if I start to pander, not, not pander, but if I start to sympathise or empathise with people from my background, it's going to put me at a disadvantage. I think they should be empowered to speak up for people from the same background as them. Kind of like we were saying about Obama, he was very like, I am black. I identify, well, I mean, he's mixed, but he was very like, I identify as a black man. And he was very, very um, vocal about it. You should be able to be like that, I think, personally. I have really enjoyed interviewing everyone on this podcast and it has been a real eye-opener learning about how other ethnic minorities think about this situation. The point that's really stuck out for me was the sense that having an ethnic minority prime minister didn't really make any of the people I interviewed feel represented in the same way as if that ethnic minority prime minister had been actually voted for by the people. It almost felt like the victory was a little bit hollow. I guess that's why the Obama victory in America felt more substantial, as it was the actual voters who voted him in. Our parliamentary system in the United Kingdom allows prime ministers to pick their cabinets and also allows prime ministers to be voted in by their party. And therefore, this perhaps tells us more about how parliament and the parties in our political system are progressing in diversity, but not the actual country of the United Kingdom. So I think we're going to have to wait until there's a general election and then see what the United Kingdom does. And then we can really test whether actually Britain is ready, willing and able and has voted for its first ethnic minority prime minister. I really think that is going to count. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey and I really hope to speak to you all again soon. Thank you for listening. Thanks to David Backhouse for the theme tune and to Chris Marchand for editing and all the other music. 
This show only exists because of support from listeners like you. If you have found something we made to be good or useful, please consider becoming a patron at the Tent Talks Patreon page or leaving a good review on your chosen podcast platform. This really helps. For more information, visit www.tenttheology.com.